Welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. I'm with my best friend, Mr. Colin. There, he's he's a bit tuckered out after a long ass day of limit pushing, because that's what we do here at Minefields. Pretty much push Pretty to much. the goddamn limit. And of course, we got our resident tough guy, Mr. Tony Morales. How you doing, guys? Doing good. Now we went. I keep... am. I'm tired. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And usually we ask about how each other's days were, but we got we got a lot to cover today. So on a scale of one to ten, Tony, how you doing? I'd say about a seven. Colin, I'm freaking great. I, I'm I'm so happy. Like I, I'm just worn out, and I'm trying not to uh, trying not to uh, trying not to let dumb internet problems at a hotel give me give me pause. Uh, yeah. Scale of one to ten. Otherwise, baby. oh freaking ten. I feel fucking great. <laughs> I'm just tired. I am at a solid three, and I'm not a complainer. What? <laughs> You're at three? I'm at a three, man. I How many rough... hit points have you got left? Uh, dude, I'm I'm rolling ones <laughs> constantly. It's... What? I'm, I'm I'm trying to get through fucking uh, Ready Player Two, and it is fucking. It's difficult, man. And uh, all I'm gonna say, because I'm not gonna ruin anything for anyone, that because the book just came out, they're gonna make it into a movie. They're already working on it and shit. Is that it is a lot of fucking nerd fucking complaining for chapters. And, really? Yeah, and really? and the 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 bad guy is like when when you realize who the antagonist of this novel is, uh, if you are into sci-fi in any way, you're gonna be like, oh fuck me, not again. <laughs> like like it's not the same concept as the last one, but it's 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 a it's a classic trope that every time I encounter it, I'm like, no, I've seen the Matrix. No, no, it no. <laughs> but uh man, I uh we got a lot to talk about today, guys. We got That's crazy. Let me ask you real quick, what tropes work? What tropes are we or should we be over with? Um time travel. Okay. I'm I'm sick of fucking time travel uh, because most people get really convoluted. Uh, there's very few times time travel has ever really like paid off. I remember talking to a customer yesterday and I was proud as fuck to be able to because he, he he mentioned he had some nerd stuff that he, he's really into nerd stuff. Oh, what you into? And he was uh, anything sci-fi. He's hey, I don't care what it is if it's sci-fi. And and I was like, you're you're 28, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, do you have Hulu? And he's like, yeah, uh, I actually just subscribed to it the other day. And I'm like, uh, a movie back from like the, the late 80s, or, well, Alien Nation just popped up on there. And it's, it's yeah, yeah. I'd never seen it before, but it, it it's hands down my favorite buddy cop movie now. Um, and he, he's like, really? It's a sci-fi movie? And I gave him the basic premise. And he's like, that sounds awesome. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's it like I'm not a fan of remakes, but this movie, along with like Flight of the Navigator, didn't get the attention it deserved. And if they're gonna That's remake true. it, if they're gonna remake it, any movies, it needs to be something like this, and just stay, tr just like, just carbon copy, but give some extra stuff to that was lacking that the other people didn't 
really understand it. They didn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger. They had Manny Taken and James Caan. Right. Uh, So there's that. But it's a premise. Yeah, yeah. It's It's already an expensive movie with all that makeup and everything, and and uh, yeah, that's where you got to spend the money. So you don't get to you don't go get you know those guys. You get you get some you get a grizzled character, and James Caan worked perfectly. Right. So uh, so what's the trope? The the trope AI gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the I, mean, I can't t- say what what it is, but it's it'd be a major spoiler, and I don't want to do that for people that haven't even had the chance to read the book or know that it's even out yet. Um, sure. But it's one of those like I remember like he's I was reading it on a break today, and he's getting into things like, man, you guys have watched the Matrix. You guys have watched iRobot. You guys, and he just lists off everything, and he's like, and you didn't see this coming, <laughs> like, you didn't see what plugging your brain into a computer was going to actually end up doing, and now you're here, and you're going to do this, or everyone dies, and I was like, God damn it! <laughs> oh, oh yeah, all right, I get, I get you, man. No, that's uh, yeah. Unfortunately, that is now. When the symbiosis concept of uh, of cyber cybernetics or of cyborg lifestyle came into being, or at least plausibility, uh, I think that's when we added that as a trope. And what else can you do with it? Unless you know, can you? What what can you do? You you've got an algorithm that's going to turn everybody into something. You've got something that's going to blah blah blah. I mean, at the very least, if you're going to do something amazing, like I guess say it, Grant Morrison, New X Men. What if you stored something in absolutely everybody's mind using this system? Oh, that's beautiful. And and it's one thing, and nobody is. Like, right there, that's a whole... Uh, this is a beautiful, interesting, crazy proposition. There's a whole story right there. You know, everybody suddenly realizes the unity that they experience because they are all part of a greater whole. And it took reprogramming for everybody to understand that. That's it, dude. That's a great story. I agree. But you treat it You treat it like it's a, a thriller. Oh, my God, we got to stop this thing. Oh, my God, we got to stop this thing. Like, Total Recall... Until you get there and you realize we just we just created a blue Mars. Yeah. You know? Tony, you got anything like that? Uh no, nah, man. Um the biggest thing kinda of going off what you're talking about with the Unity thing was uh, I just finished reading Rising Stars, that uh-huh. twenty four issue miniseries I was telling you guys about uh start that uh, J. Michael Straczynski wrote. You didn't tell me J. Eddie Michael Straczynski wrote that? Oh, yeah. I totally did. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was a passing comment. We didn't make a big deal out of it for some mm-hmm. reason uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, but um, the whole thing at the end, because the whole thing is that this um, this uh, meteor comes down and causes 113 people that were um, in utero at the time to get superpowers. And the whole thing okay. ends up being that like it's kind of like Highlander a little bit. When one of them dies, everybody else gets their power. So in Dude, yeah, I mean that is a trope. That's like that. Yeah, at least that's, that's wonderful, done though. very well in the Highlander, and it is also done 
in 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 a in a not nearly as easy to take seriously and yet simultaneously kick ass way in Jet Li's The One. Okay, I would love that. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but I, I thought that was a fun movie. That was one of those uh, movies that we got free passes for for being college students, so we saw it like a week before it came out. That was rad. Legit, dude. I saw so many movies. Like, actually, you know what? It wasn't that. Uh, I saw a lot of movies that way. I saw Napoleon Dynamite that way. Now, yeah, tropes. The, the, yeah, the the one trope. Before I, I give everyone the list, and I'm, I'm going to hog the mic for just a little bit, because that's why I mm-hmm. picked so few comics, um, is that uh, one of the the ideas that really got implanted in me when I was in my final year of college was the idea of post-humanism. And post-humanism is a symbiosis of technology and the human existence, including the soul. So the books that you're going to read about that are like ones most people are going to pass by and think are ridiculous, like... Buddhism and the Matrix, shit like that. Yeah, <clears throat> I was studying artists that were uh, creating uh, environments completely online that were amorphic and uh, almost self-thinking to the point where they were, were being created as someone more explored it. And I, I the 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 one thing that pops in my head uh, to really put this idea into uh, effect here is that a posthumanist idea right now is that all three of us are in three different places at once right yes. now. Yes. Yeah, dude, well, you're, you're absolutely right. We, My voice is resonating at Tony's house, your hotel, two different states, and mm-hmm. the other thing is is that we are fully interacting with technology right here. Like I'm, in order to hear you, I have to have these bionic ears to translate what the computer is bringing through the you know through through bandwidth through through the internet um if uh i'm i'm affecting three different environments right now think of it that way uh yeah yeah also like i remember because i was i just started djing at the time was uh being bionic um i was using um tractor and um serato and what's the other one I was using this technology to influence, like I was touching this vinyl control system that had a direct influence on hundreds of people in front of me, and uh, you know, and then also the the you can talk about like bionic arms and you know like you know we're using three D technology that we almost have the technology for uh, like the nano it's, it's called nano something uh, to actually be able to interact with nerves that are like electronic nerves that will be able to interact with the dead ends of your nerves for you to feel mm-hmm. your fingers. We're very, very close to that. And the idea is to the opposite of, you know, destroy anything AI because it's going to immediately think that we're the problem and set off all the nukes and decide we're, you know, kill us all. Um, that sort of thing. It's called posthumanism. It's a, it's a fascinating uh, concept to really explore. But um, I appreciate you guys letting me rant on about that. <clears throat> no, it's uh, dude. I love that topic because when we think about the uh, the AI gone awry concept, it has always been interesting to me to think of uh, to think of the Terminator franchise as happening simultaneously 
and yet years apart from the Matrix franchise, as if the Matrix is a huge Terminator sequel. Uh, I would totally, I would totally take that. Especially, but, uh, especially the fact that in the Arnold is the complete opposite of who he was in the first one. He's learning. He's like at the very end, you know, as sappy as it is, I know now why you cry. Mm-hmm. But it's something I can never do. And and for him to, I can't self-terminate. Like, when they're like, it's over, it's done. Like, no, there's still another chip. And for him to make that decision, that's a very human thing to arrive at. I think the sad fact of that franchise is that after, after all of... Uh... All of these films, the only two you need are the two first ones, which isn't to say there isn't something entertaining to take from virtually all of them. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean. Well, we've got some whatever. Good, we've got some good comics to talk about. Uh, we've got uh, we're a little of some sci-fi tropes. We're going to do a little bird on X-Force number 16, Feature State Nightwing number 1, Deceased Dead Planet 707, Sweet Tooth number 3. True Lies of the Fabulous Killjoys National Set. Anthem 1 through 4. Let's go. 1, 2, 3. Sweet one, Tooth two, three. number 3. Immortal Hulk number 42. If I want to talk, I don't know. I'm, thinking, I'm, gonna, no, I'm not talking about that one. I'm not talking about Immortal Hulk. Wait, too bad, I'm not sure. Division, but I'm going to start a little bit dark, but I'm not going to go too dark. Uh, I want to talk about the Richard Ramirez Night Stalker series that just came out on Netflix, guys. Yeah. I woke up yesterday, and I checked the news. It's the first thing I do in the morning, actually, even before I check my social media. And I see that one of the articles, as I scroll down, because uh, I check USA Today, CNN, Fox News, BBC, uh, and NPR. And uh, Night Stalker do- documentary um, controversy, and I'm like, Night? What the fuck? And and I click it, and they're like, this recent release, Night Stalker, uh, it, it's, it's, it's causing... It's it's upsetting a lot of people and uh, and I I stopped reading it and I immediately found it on Netflix and started watching it. Now I'm I'm one of the people I think that me 20 years ago, well, in a sense, kind of almost uh, that the the director was trying to discourage from being a scholar of serial killers because he his purpose was to uh, deglamorize. Richard Ramirez because he become a sex symbol. He is a sex symbol right now, and I'll get to that in a what? minute. What? Yes, yes. Fascinating. Okay. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. And I was like, okay, so he's trying to do something right, but like the thing about true crime uh, people uh, that you know, true crime aficionados, is that we like to read the 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 novels or the the the, the non you know the the nonfiction novels that reporters write because it's got details. Not because I'm hungry. Yeah. Not because I'm hungry to hear about. Man, just tell me about the guts that got pulled out of some poor woman's. No, that's not what I'm looking for. I, I'm. I'm a. I, I'm. I've come to realize I'm obsessed with the human condition, and these people have gone to ultimate extremes. And Ramirez was an anomaly among all of them uh, because he. I, I'm fully believe, even though I'm not Christian, that he achieved his uh, his goal. His, so when it comes to these sort of documentaries, um, they often leave out the details that are in these nonfiction crime, true crime books that we, I mean, my mom had them everywhere. She actively encouraged me to read them because she wanted me to be aware of how bad people can be. That was her way of showing me, 
because uh, she was fascinating, but true crime, all that, so she wanted to be a cop really bad, but unfortunately she wasn't ever able to. And so if, they, if they're missing details that we've read, I'm immediately going to be like, fuck this documentary. Like, I, I, I don't care. Like, like you're, you're, you're babying people. Um, it's one of the, my biggest pet peeves right now is how the news treats human beings as a whole right now. About no, that yeah. we, we got to protect them from this. No, they didn't. He didn't protect us from anything. Actually, um, <clears throat> okay. a lot, of, a lot of people's gripes about this right now was that it was mostly about the detectives. Um, but at the same time, though, that they didn't real because there was very little details about what Ramirez was in terms of like when they when they build up from because it starts from like we realize we've got a serial killer, this new uh, greenhorn cop. I mean, he's he. Homicide. I mean, he's really rising through the ranks. Gets teamed with like Beretta, <laughs> like like the yeah. yeah, and and the guy it like is like you know what I think you got something here because he said he he flat out told them and this was something that really stuck out was I think the guy that's been molesting all these kids and letting him live is the same guy that is breaking into people's houses in the middle of the night and defiling them to his best of the to the best of his ability to defile it as bad as he could well and, take take a second though because i don't think that everybody that listens to us necessarily knows who richard ramirez I'm, I'm, was i'm getting there so this is 19 okay. this is 1984 1985 there's a slew of, of of murders in in la uh all around la the problem is is that la is a bunch of different like jurisdictions and mm-hmm. and it's the it's the mid '80s. Not everyone is working with each other. These guys over here, the uh, the in this jurisdiction, don't give a fuck about these guys because they want to solve these cases and make the like they don't want to work with each other. So it was it was an it was one of the first cases where we have to work together as a state and as a even just one big big ass city to figure this shit out. And they they didn't want to believe this guy that thought that it was the same guy, and things started popping up. Um, for example, like this was a, a, another example of why people there was a big backlash against heavy metal in the eighties was because the, if if you don't know anything about Richard Ramirez, he was the guy that the infamous photo where he's in court and flashes his hand with a pentagram tattoo right in the center of his left hand. Um, he's also the one that they they found an ACDC hat, but they got details that I've never heard. They got the, this woman was like, I was at a thrift store. I'm like, what? And she's like, I saw a hat I've never seen before. And it's at mm-hmm. ACDC and it looked kind of funny. And I put it down and this weird looking man that smelled really bad with bad teeth, picked it up and smiled at me. And I le- I left the store. I was driving home later on that night and he followed, he was following me. And I'm like, okay, so we've got the origin of the hat. Like that's fucking nuts. And the, his, his purpose was to sit at the left hand of Satan when he died. And the, okay, so the, the details that go on, like that I can understand why people were not happy with, was because they had actual crime scene photos of the victims laying in state and like at the scene. And what they did was, was superimpose like, like duct tape over their face, but not very well, like kind of like, like that. <laughs> And, but he focused on the victims and like, and then the, he got, he interviewed a girl that, um, um, what, a little girl that had been kidnapped and she was six years old 
and he let her live and let your imagination figure out what he did to her. But he did that to a bunch of children, but he let the kids live. And he talked to family members. He talked to, a, it was endless family members and back and forth with the detectives. And then finally they, they, they find that clue that connects the, the thumbprint and then to the, the, the scene in San Francisco because they thought everything that was happening was only in L.A. And they finally catch him. Uh, there's a, I, I featured, uh, he was one of the psychos of the week during October. And it was, it upset the shit out of me, man. And uh, when I finished it, like, I was all consumed with it yesterday. Like, I couldn't stop. Every break, in between every phone call, I'm watching that shit until I finished it. And then I started researching about the documentary. And I found a, a young woman on YouTube that was talking about why she wasn't happy with it. It was because they didn't go into more of the psyche about about what had happened to Ramirez, how he'd been abused. He'd, he'd been chained to a cross when he got caught stealing a... His dad chained him to a cross in a graveyard and left him there all fucking night when he got caught stealing something, some stupid little thing. I mean, like, his his uh, older uh, cousin, Vietnam vet, showed him Polaroid photos. His uncle. His, his uncle. Yeah, it, it, he, he the guy killed his, his wife in front of Ramirez because she was bitching about him, about hanging out with this kid. And there was no turning back from this kid. I mean, this this kid was fucking engineered. He had, in, in an interview that she put specifically uh, for a quote from him, was he said, and she really zeroed in on this, he said, I gave up on love and happiness years ago. <laughs> and that that really resonated. But that much darkness in one day, re, like that was, uh, for someone that can take a lot, um, like it, it's been it's been difficult to enjoy meals um to just find any sort of joy in my day for the past like 48 hours until like right now actually and i i, I really want to warn people and that's why i want to talk about it is that it's it's true blue and you might not get all the details that you wanted or they go true into ramirez's psyche but they even included uh when i was talking about he was a sex symbol I mean, this guy got married in prison. Uh, this guy was getting yeah. tons of fucking, of, 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 of uh, fan mail. Like, like you were talking, like, the, like the the back seats. There was goth chicks just lined up, just wanting to look at him. Um, and but they actually showed some of the 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 titty pics that these goth chicks were sending to him in prison, man. And they were good-looking girls, <laughs> and and the like. And then I rewind back to these. Like, I, I wanted to you know eliminate that or, or shine a light on it. The guy is a sex symbol. And then I read further that he's uh, a, a main character in the last season of American Horror Story. That he's glamorizing. They ca they cast a real hot Mexican guy to play this guy, and they 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 fucked with his origin and story like at what actually really happened but then i was like kind of like really put off to ever watch or not i don't ever want to watch not ever watch american horror story ever again i want to find the writers that did this and make sure i never read anything they did because this was that was bullshit that, like that gotcha that that, that, makes sense. that that was bullshit and uh I think they did a really good job. If you if if they had prefaced it with that video of the director saying um, he's a sex symbol, we got to stop this, or at least the content is out there. Not 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 we have to stop this because that's what a big problem right now. 
the content has to be out there for people to have access to to come to the conclusion this guy should not be a sex symbol on their own. But at least preface it, this is what I want you to have in your head and what I'm trying to get out there. And especially for... And they didn't do any bullshit, super uber fucking creepy-ass music. I mean, they, they had... They had eerie music, but it wasn't like unsolved mystery shit, you know. And I gotta say something about that. I yeah, I mean, what music is an important. The score of a show is very important to the tone you're trying to set. And I, I remember watching some show on like the True Crime Network or whatever, uh, just a handful of years ago, and it was an episode about the uh, the Washington D.C. sniper. Oh yeah, uh, I think it was Alpo. I think was his name. And uh, the whole episode had this kind of jazzy, upbeat music playing. And it started again at the beginning of every, or at the end of every commercial break. And then it had to, had to come to a conclusion and then cycle through again. And it was just like, this does not sound like you guys are portraying yeah. these characters as villains. They're murdering people. It sounds like you're trying to make this whole sick situation kind of cool. Yeah, it's like it just it it doesn't set right. You I, know, I, I do have to say, as someone that has recently gotten into video production, it was mm-hmm. slick as fuck. Oh, I'm talking like a font I'm not used to that was perfect. It wasn't overlaid. I mean, it was it was the the crime scene photos they showed. They went so far as to uh, the the digital. Uh, work they did into this where I thought I was looking at a photo but then they started changing angles and then they'd pan out and then it would like it looked real and then they'd pan out into the Polaroid or the crime scene photo what what you would yeah. normally expect like a 1980s uh, Kodak photo to look at but they went deep in it, they, it, it looked real and I mean they didn't they they held back on a lot of the Satanism but they definitely touched on it because I think they I think they did a good job, and I think that if you are one of those dumbasses that you know idolizes serial killers, that you need to watch this movie and settle the fuck down. Um, it, it was it was something like in the, the humanization that like there was a, an article about how on uh, Nerdist about how it just really promoted the detectives, and they yeah. they went in all this woke fucking bullshit about why it was bad, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is terrible. It, it was it Dude. was. Verbal yeah. di- it was it was written diarrhea of someone that was like really someone that thinks that there's an infinite me- amount of genders and and you know someone that can is are you can see I whoever wrote this I could see them arguing at the hospital uh, with the 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 doctors and the nurses at the ER like no my son's a girl he needs this uh, no you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is this isn't fucking play world make make believe land now. Your kid's sick and uh if he was born this, we need to know that <laughs> because there's certain things it, basic physiology and it was written by someone like that. That that's some fucking Karen like that and I'm using their terminology and I really shouldn't. I should think of something else. That's smarter that they, would, <laughs> that they wouldn't understand and wouldn't be able to argue against because they don't do their fucking research. But I wanted to get that over with and I'd uh, reiterate it's even if you are a hardened person, it's it it it's gonna get you. And don't don't toy with it. It like I was worried I was gonna have nightmares last night and 
That's why I wanted to start first with that, because I wanted to talk about <laughs> just raise the bar. Uh, not for how dark we can get, but I want to talk about WandaVision because there's, I, I, I really think that this is one of the most genius things the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever done. And I'm going to have Mr. Tough Guy, Tony Morales, take over for that because I need to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, checked out the first two episodes of what's been released so far. It's, I, I liked it a lot. Freaking, um, it's very, it's got that 50 vibe, uh, kind of, um, very much in there. Very reminiscent of Bewitched, uh-huh. which I freaking I thought was amazing. Like I I don't openly laugh during TV shows a lot, but I found myself just straight up you know belly achingly laughing at some of the stuff they were doing. Um, you know it's you know it's interesting to see where it's gonna go because a lot of people have just kind of a lot of stuff I've seen online has been like oh it's so weird and it's like ugh, but I I guess that I really I enjoyed the whole thing. I thought the first two episodes were great. I'm very interested to see what's going to happen. Because, you know, if nothing else, freaking Kevin Feige and Marvel have definitely kind of built up a lot of uh, fan credibility. Like, they haven't really let... I, I don't they feel could, like they've led astray too often. They couldn't have gone away with this ten years ago. Not in a fucking blue Oh, moon. Lord, no. Yeah, no. It just... Because I, I even, like, it, I, it was very reminiscent. Um, it was reminiscent to a... Like a mix between Bewitched and Legion. Okay, that was out a couple years ago. There was, uh, I grew up uh, with very little friends, but obsessed with TV. My dad got me this little black and white TV. And he got me a little cable box he got at, at a yard sale. And I remember him, like, him having me as the lookout while he was screwing in the uh, the splitter adapter for someone else's cable. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> and um, and uh you know at the pole in the box like like you know a hundred feet from the house but i was obsessed with nick at night the first episode is 100 percent dick van dyke uh mm -hmm. down to the way they walk in second episode 100 percent bewitched but it, but they they took those those tropes like we were talking about earlier from sci-fi of 50s television and they they over exaggerated to the point where it, it like if it was a joke in the 50s it would have been kind of funny if you were just used to that humor and that's what you, or you weren't weren't used to because this is new TV, but then they if you'd done anything else, they'd have been like, oh god, that's just Dick Van Dyke. But then they pushed it to such an extreme, it passed not being funny because it was a trope, and then it became fucking hilarious. Yeah, every little bit, the casting was fucking on par. Uh, having Kitty from that '70s show, that '70s show, that would die. I popped so hard when I saw her, dude. I, I exactly that was amazing. Perfect, perfect word. I popped pretty hard for Miss Kitty. And uh, the other thing that I have, other than the Easter eggs I saw, is that the thing about focusing on Wanda is that there is a giant sword of Damocles dangling over your head that is going to fall right mm -hmm. right in your brain and fuck everyone up. Because everything that the, the that we most people have been exposed to about the Scarlet Witch that don't read the comics don't know that this woman is a like one of the most epic fuck-ups and crazy people in all of Marvel, like, at, at all, like, yeah, what is she going to do? Are we going to get no more mutants? Are we going to get fucking house? The thing, M? I, I, I wonder <laughs> if she's going to be the one to revert. Uh, she's the one that brings the X-Men into the, into the universe at some point. I was hoping you'd get to that. That is, I, I think that's exactly idea. where it's going. I, I hope so too. Um, I don't want to see Pietro come back for a while, mm -hmm. but, uh, but, 
I, oh, I think I think he'll show up in the series. I think he'll show up before the this first series is out. I was kind of thinking about that too, because I mean the whole thing is it seems to be like she's kind of making her perfect world, right? In her perfect world, she's gonna you know I I, I assume we're gonna see the twins. I, I I'm pretty positive we're gonna freaking see her brother come back at some point, like from a long lost trip. He, he was like a, a trip out you know because of school or something. That would be awesome. That'd be a great way to write that in because the the yeah. the, the the presentation alone like. Um, in the, if you if they just put episode one out, everyone would be bitching right now. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck was that? But then they followed up with ep- episode two, and it was a little bit longer and a little bit more human, especially the way they did the vision doing the the magic act. But uh, it was a nice, perfect introductory package. Like I was, mm-hmm. yeah. The whole thing was great. Freaking, I love, I love uh, drunk vision. Was amazing because of bubble gum. That was awesome. <laughs> and he shows up to an like all black dude meeting, <laughs> and he he has no idea and uh, members only. And then he perfectly fits in. And then uh, the 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 parts, but there was it was ominous though. It it, it was upsetting in some points for you because you knew something was weird, especially because you you just said. Um, she's in control of her perfect world, and she saw what looked like a possible someone that works for AIM coming out of the fucking uh, sewer. Only because the the beehive the beehive suit is pretty close to that, and mm-hmm. and she's like, nope, fuck this, rewind. <laughs> We're not going outside. <laughs> We're just gonna talk about <laughs> yep. the baby. The introduction of colors as being danger. Yeah, oh, weird. Yeah, the very few things are color. The radio that is, the stark, this the stark radio is it, is it the radio or the uh, the, the toaster? toaster that is like Wanda, who's doing this to you? And so I think it's a toaster. I think. The, yeah, it, the, I could be wrong with that, but I'm pretty sure it was a toaster. Another radio did it too at the that fucking beach, the the pool party, with that bitch. Yeah. God, that woman was. Uh. Yeah, the whole the whole thing. I guess it's 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 it raises far more questions than answers, but it should this early in the series. But I'm really super intrigued to see, you know, what what's going to end up being real and what's going to end up not being real. It's a good like, idea. Unlike unlike Legion, I feel like there's a lot of like Legion. It was really kind of hard to tell from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this, I mean, this one you've obviously got a lot of it. It's just you know, it's all in her head. But, like, you know, there's those certain little parts where, like, things kind of fall into place. And it's like, who, you know, who is it? Where is it going? You know, part of me was like, at the when you see the guy watching the TV show, part of me was like, you know, how cool would it be if that was Mojo? Oh, and that was the whole <laughs> oh yeah. He wasn't crazy yet. Like, they had gotten captured, and they were in Mojo World. And like I know in my I, I know that it's that's not going to be where they're going to go with it because freaking be Mojo. I don't know if you can make Mojo work in like an actual live action TV show. I've always popped, but for man, that would be awesome. No, that would that would be awesome. I'm 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 kind of worried that like what if what if the person that rescues her is Eric Lencher? You know, if if it's it could Mag- be. if it's Magneto, he didn't actually die in the blast, uh, and it's he's not. I don't know if I, I I think there'd be a huge backlash if they didn't make him a uh, if 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 they pull a Magneto and he's, I, uh, 
Uh, what's the country again? Um, Wundagore Mountain? No. <laughs> the one from the TV, from the movies, you mean? Yeah, from Civil War. Um, oh, they freaking, they, they say it in the show, too. Freaking. I'm always spacing. I'm sorry. Sokovia. 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 If he was a refugee from Sokovia, but if, like, they take away the, the Holocaust survivor from him, I think that a lot of people would be fucking really fucking pissed off. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the things that, you know, that's one of the things he, you know, his whole character is based on that. Yeah, you know, I've seen hatred, so I know what it is. But we've got the, uh, the Strucker brand watch. And that's why I want to. That's why I want to bring uh, Colin into this because Colin has a, a lot more uh, uh, deeper knowledge in terms of that. Like, what do you know about Baron von Strucker? Oh well, I mean, there was a phenomenal X Men issue where um, uh, it it goes back a ways, and it's, I can't remember what number it is. I'm sorry, I've got a copy of it, but it it has Baron Strucker on the cover, and it's kind of a it's kind of a, a case issue now. Um, I don't think it's one you're just going to encounter much in the back issues. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a story that takes place before Xavier was incapable of walking. And it's he and Magneto uh, teaming up uh, to deal with Baron Strucker, who had a ton of Nazi gold. And at the Ooh. end of it, Magneto ends up uh, kind of outwitting Charles in a way to be able to fly away with the gold to finance his operation. Um, I mean, Baron Strucker is not the character that we saw in uh, Age of Ultron, or Civil War, rather. He is way more of a crazy Nazi sympathizer with a monocle and a shaved right. head. And, uh, that's kind of that. I mean, he's, he's, he's maniacal. He's not a, uh, he's not a calculating guy, but, um, putting Nazi gold into that, that like, I remember I had, I had one of my friends told me a story about how she, she had a drug problem and she never had a heroin problem. Then she was living with a couple of friends and, their friend that went to go buy some weed came and uh, mm -hmm. threw a little baggie and said they I, they didn't have any weed but they had this and then she said they stood around and looked at it for a couple minutes in silence and someone finally said how are we gonna do this I mean can you imagine like uh, I mean like that like uh, <laughs> we we take a trip to fucking Europe we're at a because uh, there's a zombie movie about this we're, like we're at a uh, we let's just say we find one bar of Nazi gold I mean. I would be terrified. I'd be like, we need to get the fuck out of here right now. Oh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> like, yeah. We're putting this back right now. I'm not telling anyone about this. I'm taking this to the grave. We're never talking about this. Like, let's repair the floorboards and get the fuck out of here. Because, like, that, that is that is cursed. And Dude, why are you telling them about the floorboards? <laughs> I was thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I can't remember... Because I can never remember names of specific things sometimes. But it's, uh, there's a zombie movie where these... Uh, the, these kids go on a ski trip and find some Nazi gold underneath their uh, the floorboards. They touch it and it immediately resurrects a bunch of Nazi uh, SS members. Uh, mm. It's ice something. Yeah, doesn't matter. It wasn't that good. But uh, I mean, that's the thing. I think you know the opportunity. If you if you found Nazi gold and you maybe turn it over to the Israeli government, uh, you know that's kind of that's what you can do. Oh no, that would be the honorable thing to do. 
But the mm-hmm. other thing in this constant state of surveillance, finding that, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not, not, that's the crazy thing. I'm, like, how far can you get in this society in something like that? But at the same time, some fucking guy just blew up Nashville. And yeah. they had been, he had been broadcasting that he was going to do that for a while. And his girlfriend alerted the authorities. There is so much surveillance. Dude, and I, just, I wouldn't want to touch it's, it with my bare fingers. Like, like it's an the, embarrassment of riches when there's that much surveillance. You can't monitor all of it. I don't know. I think you could uh, get that thing out of there and take it to the take it to somebody who could uh, do something good with it. You know, but um, maybe maybe you take that that gold bar that's very heavy. Yeah, and you find a way to turn that in so you can fight white supremacists. I don't know. I wouldn't want my bare fingers touching it. I, I would imagine it. I'd yeah. be superstitious to the point of opening a sarcophagus we found in Egypt. Uh-huh. Not happening. <laughs> like, like I already feel, <laughs> feel weird enough that I like my eyeballs looked upon it and processed its 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 image. No, we're 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 getting the fuck out of here. I gotta say, there is a weird and uncomfortable. Sorry, I'm putting on a jacket. Um, there's a weird, uncomfortable thing, like. About seeing authentic Nazi printed swastikas, you know, you see stuff that is reprinted in films and right. all gun, over the place at gun conventions and shit. Like, okay, you know, it's a replica. Yeah, totally. Like, whatever you dumbass, you're selling that. But then I'm more worried about it being like, hey, buddy, let me show you the real shit. <laughs> like, no, yeah, I mean, no, I'm leaving. In fact, I, I just checked out. Uh, I don't speak English. <laughs> like, this isn't happening. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable to encounter those those items. But long story short, uh, so we can wrap up, wrap up WandaVision, uh, Tony, what do you want it to end at? Like, if if if, if you were writing for Feige, hmm. I mean, personally, I like I said, I'd love to see him use Wanda to introduce the mutants. Like, I feel like that's the like that's the logical progression of it. What mutant? Um, in, in all honesty, I can see freaking. I'm kind of wondering if the people talking to her it doesn't end up being Doctor Strange. Well, they've they've already established just because they're supposed to, it's supposed to. They've already established its sword. Oh, with the with the sign there. Yes. And the, and the first step. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're that's space surveillance. So we're getting uh, what's that chicken all green, Colin, with the cool visor? Abigail Brand. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So we've got some surveillance for sword. So hopefully we get that beautiful vision of a uh, not no pun intended of uh, swords HQ in orbit that giant yeah. like, pointed obelisk. Um, uh-huh. But if you could pick a mutant, Tony, what mutant? If you just got one that 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 saved the day. Uh. I mean, the logical the logical answer is Magneto. You know, that's that would be the first person that would be like, you know, it, that's the one that makes the most sense would be Magneto because he's. I think you're dad. completely right. Yeah. As far as far dad, as working with my, it'd be her, it'd be him or Quicksilver. I'm saying Xavier. Yeah, if you bring in Xavier, you set up the entire X franchise. If the Xavier that you're bringing up is the same cast member from TV to movie. Mm-hmm. Um, McAvoy is a genius. I, I, of a I would actor. love for them to just 
completely integrate the entire existing X franchise, even X-Men 3, uh, and the dumbass prequels into the entire MCU as a bought property. There's got to be a way to do it. And then, but, you know, the unfortunate thing is, you know, Hugh Jackman not going to be doing Wolverine anymore unless you really, really can prove it. Bullshit. I I bet you $100 right now they're going to bring Hugh Jackman back. No, I don't see why not. But he's 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 definitely showing his age, you know? Yeah. But that's good. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing about Wolverine. (laughs) Like, not make him as old as he looked in fucking, you know, Logan, but... Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think. I think they're gonna give a big enough carrot in front, dangling in front of Hugh Jackman's face, and he's gonna say, "All right, fuck it, let's do it." It's just or for, or for doing dimension hopping. Maybe you could throw magic in there. Well, that's why we got, uh, you know, Sorcerer Supreme there. I mean, like, what would you want yeah. Doctor Strange? Well, I mean, I mean, Eliana Rasputin. Oh, dude, I love you. Just kind of throwing, just kind of throwing a left, you know, something out of left field. Dude, I you love know, it. throw some Eliana Rasputin in there. I, I do. The freaking girl that did freaking Plater and freaking uh, New Mutants was fantastic. Is that one of the better any, parts of the movie? Is that movie any good? I almost bought it at the Red Box. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. You know, it was it was its own thing. Like they they mentioned the X Men, but they didn't really. It was a self contained movie. And I thought I thought that actually helped it quite a bit. But yeah, I t- I, yeah, I totally thought it was worth it. Not as I, I would have liked to have seen like a couple of some of the characters be like given a little bit more, but like with an ensemble movie, you almost always say that. Right. Oh man, especially if they establish her already as magic with the soul sword. Um, oh yeah, it's all in there. Colin, what do you got? By way of what I'm reading, what I read. No, about a way. Of, uh, you haven't picked a mutant yet. You you, you agreed with? Oh, Magneto. sorry. Yeah, no, I'm. I, I think that uh, if you set up Magneto, you could confine the story. I, th- this this being that I haven't had a minute to watch this. since It came out since I started working on this job, and I've had something going on every single night. Um, I think if you set it, set it up with Magneto, it begs a lot more questions, and it guarantees a second season, and it it thrusts this story into its prominence. If you set up Professor X, then you have the school and they buy that, the entire score of characters that go there and all of their relationships. And the opportunity presents itself to set up the an entire X franchise in the MCU. Um, or you could bat for nothing and, you know, oh, Wolverine or whatever. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, is it going to be the season finale of The Mandalorian, which I have not seen, but it is spoiled on me. You're going to take take some character, and it's just, what are the connotations? It's either going to go this way, or it's going to go that way. Last, so. last thought uh, for both of you guys to think about. What if they did the opposite? Instead of no more mutants, more mutants. Oh, they could. T- I mean, they could totally do it. I don't, but like, I feel like it would be. It would be too. It would be. It would be throwing an entire new world into it, which is obviously the point. But it would take away from you know Vision and you know WandaVision as a whole. Right. Especially because I mean, if, Vision's dead. <laughs> yeah. If Wanda, 
I mean, that's that's the thing. If they can they can find a way to create the X universe and not have to re have to cast her in the story again, because she isn't a mutant, is she? They couldn't use. I don't think she's a mutant. She's not a mutant in this in the MCU. Yeah, because they so they couldn't use the word mutant at the time. Right. So it seems to me that they could, if they decided, you know, we don't know if we're going to keep doing stuff with with uh, with Elizabeth Olsen. It's like, okay, well, you know, we could do a thing where she essentially casts a spell or whatever, and this thing happens and it starts it all. Uh, but uh, she doesn't have to be along for the ride. Like maybe it vaporizes her, or maybe it overpowers her, and she dissipates and goes into hiding someplace and she'll show up in the next Avengers movie or something like that. She does need to go away for a while. She's not something yeah, you can overutilize. You gotta you gotta get her to the point where she is um uh got she where she's got her head together and can come back and be functional. Give us some killjoys, oh. man. Dude, uh this okay. This is this has blown my mind. First, tell us uh, your love of uh, my yeah, I will. romance. So okay, I I remember the entire concept of punk music feeling like it was very over in the nineties, and um, I used to see these little kids run around in uh, that were. High, they couldn't even drive yet in high school and they were in a punk band and I was just like come on man but like 2004 comes along and despite the fact that My Chemical Romance had been around for a while I uh, this girl that lived across the way from me in a in a, an apartment complex gave me a copy of uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge <clears throat> and I listened to it and then I listened to it and then I listened to it and then I started watching the videos, which were cinematic and astonishing. And then I just listened to it, and Three Cheers was in my CD player for four months when I moved to Los Angeles. It was just the right amount of time I needed to get anywhere and have the amount of energy I needed to do a job uh, when I started out out there. And, um, and then I remember when the Black Parade came out, you know, like the... The last song on the album that isn't Blood uh, is one of the most... It's um, Famous Last Words is, I think, the most anthemic and important song to me that I've ever heard. Um, and then Killjoys came out, and it was... it was. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to actually pull it up on my uh, phone here so I don't say it incorrectly. Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys came out and um, <clears throat> I looked back on their first album and I wasn't into it really that much. It was just not the musical uh, thrust that I, I was going for. Killjoys as a fourth outing was phenomenal and it changed the entire direction of the band, the theater of the the concept of the band, and I think that they needed a break from that. Um, when you, I've been looking for years for the documentary about their touring and have not been able to find it. 
Uh, because I want to check that out. But I have the impression that, unfortunately, it's Gerard Way telling everybody all of this stuff and being drunk. Is he, is he a uh, bad and drunk? It's not. I don't think that it's he's, he's a bad drunk. I think that he just got knocked down drunk, like just laid out alcoholic to a certain degree, and he had to get cleaned up from that. And that's the crazy thing. That's the thing that I respect about that, that this band and these performers' personalities is that when they decided to call it quits for however long, for an uh, indeterminate amount of time, they basically shut down because Gerard knew that his his uh, his alcoholism was coming under control to a certain degree, I think. And he knew that uh, the music, the performance was catharsis for him. For all of the things that he had experienced and all of the hurt that he knew, and um, uh, the crazy thing about pairing that all up is that it was like, okay, well, you know, do I do I need to do this anymore? And I think he was ready to go back to his graphic arts uh, roots and explore that. So we several years ago we got a uh, uh, True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys comic. That he Becky worked Clunin on with uh, with Becky Cloonan, yeah. and um, it is an interesting introduction to the world created in the in three music videos on the Danger Days album, uh, because you, you to set to set that up basically, it's about a gang of rebels living in a in an apocalyptic, apocalyptic wasteland. But it's not just like, hey, that's the setting. There are details. There are things that could be considered Easter eggs. There is enough data to be mined to make it a fully realized three-dimensional reality and that is given to you in song after song after song to the point where almost every phrase in uh, the first song in the album, Na 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 is what it's called. Uh, every bit of that is like, stick it on a shirt, stick it on a button, stick it on something. But they didn't necessarily do that because it's an oh. anti-consumerist album. I worked at Hot Topic, and, uh, man. I'm going to beg to differ on that one. <laughs> I think that's the crazy thing is that, you know, yeah, they're cashing in because they're paying the bills, but at the same time, and I mean, I bought a $35 MCR shirt, you know, but it was at one of the most important. I was just, they came back right when I needed them last year, and uh, I'm still desperate to see them. But that's what I'm, what I'm getting at is they've made – a mass commercial appeal concept that they are not letting go. Like most of their fan base probably expected their next album to be way more black parade and they got killjoys and a lot of people didn't understand what that was. And uh, in putting it into a comic book form, it expands the entire medium it shows the little girl from the video grown up a little bit more, and it shows these characters living in Battery City. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you understand what this is if you've heard the, the music. There is something to be taken to, be cre to create a fiction narrative across 
all of those songs and you can take something from every one of those songs there's probably 25 things in each of those songs that you can take and say we should explore this we could explore this this is interesting like what what does that mean and then figure out something and maybe you can interpret it six different ways and so the the killjoys comic that came out several years ago just kind of touches on all of that stuff Unfortunately, the characters, the kill, Killjoys, are obviously killed in the, like, during the play of the album. And so the characters in the comics are reveling, I don't know if that's the right word, they revere the Killjoys as having been the true, like, originals that were fighting the Blind Corporation and trying to save their lives and trying to balance the inequality of what was going on in the corporate versus the absolutely nothing of the wastelands. And so that first book just plays on those concepts, but I don't feel like it does more than just expand upon it because it really just didn't feel like a consistent through line of story to me. So why did which this is one, why thi- why does this, this one, one kick some ass? This new one is outrageously a better outing and this is written by gerard way and uh um it's sean simon we have all of this artwork in this that is color pixelated like classic 80s and 70s comic books uh it's a little washed out there it's like how do I express this? You have a consistent illustration. You right. have really vibrant color. You have multiple different points of uh, dialogue going on in it. So you can tell that there's something going on through the entire issue. But how does it relate into the next issue? Or does it actually relate to what's going on in the panel? Or is it just a time signature? But that's going to be Dr. Death Defy, the DJ that they all listen to. And then you also have what seems to be a narrator who is unnamed explaining circumstances to you. And you've got uh, whatever other aspects there are, the actual dialogue that's going on in the scene. The story follows a character called Mark Milgram, who is a killjoy somehow or another. And he, in this unreality sees things for what they really are like in a and that is level yes it, exactly but at the same time you could take it that maybe he's seeing all of this in a coma and he's going to work it out that's a trope or maybe he is experiencing it but the point is that everybody in this world was it, it makes me think of uh, the riddler in one of the terrible batman movies like you watch the TV, you take the news, you're looking at the computers, and it, it takes your mind away. But people stopped watching TV, and that was, the, that was the cure. If you found a way to stop watching TV, you would eventually vomit up all of the poison that you'd been fed, and you would see the world for what it really, really is. There are multiple instances in this where somebody you're dating is in fact some kind of like creepy uh, uh, goblin, and or you almost know, like they somebody live. says, "Why are you, huh?" 
Almost like they live. Right. Yeah, exactly. It is exactly like that. Good point. Thank you. Um, You don't have to have the sunglasses. In this story, like, several of the characters, they had... The first issue is a 48-page epic. So the first half of it shows you life before. And it feels like it takes place immediately after the first comic book series. And it's the Killjoys have just fought and won the analog war with a bunch of other gangs that are highly thematic. Uh, and they, they end up all fighting one another because you find, you kind of realize that the war was only won by them in, 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 uh, in, in sarcasm. And that one of the other squads, one of the other gangs sold everybody out and is trying to get everybody to come to terms with who's going to be in charge now, which is who they were fighting, essentially the blind corporation. And um, so in so getting sucked into that, they lose their identities. They lose who they are. And these characters who know what reality is and know what the truth is start seeing things replaced right before their very eyes. Uh let me come up with this character's names. One of the, one of the one of the Killjoys is reintroduced as a very astute professor at an at a high school in Chicago. How old is he? And he sees he's trying to teach them about Rosa Parks, but when he looks down at the book again, the book is no longer looks like it looked. It's it's just a white book jacket that says history, and the Rosa Parks. It, there's nothing about Rosa Parks to make her any less of a hero. She, instead of being a uh, figurehead, uh, anti, anti-racism, you know, right. masthead, she, she is the doctor who cured children's tinnitus, huh. which, you know, that sucked. I have, I have tinnitus. I had it when I was a kid. I'd love for that cure, but not at the expense of what we know history to be. And, um, is and it, so, is it like a thing where the you hear that phrase that you know the winners always write history and the history is full yeah, of lies, but it's to the point yes. where it gets to where we are now, where it, actual like in real reality, where I think about that line from Rage Against the Machine, uh, they don't have to burn the books; they just remove them now, and then it's to a point now where it can change on an instant basis, depending exactly. on exactly <clears throat> so many things in this story. The consequences are whatever you're doing, whatever your purpose is, and for the greater good or whomever, or trying to rescue yourself or trying to rescue somebody else, the corporation uses the media to convince everybody that, you know, it was your fault and you're the bad guy. And uh, and it's exactly that. They can change things at a moment's notice. They have some kind of all-powerful ability to do that through a variety of different drugs that are insinuated into the food or maybe you need a procedure done. Uh, It sounds awfully like Logan to a certain degree, but that's kind of a thing. I mean, I don't feel like these are tropes yet. Um, The point – the part – some of the major through lines in in, in these four issues – have been Mark Milgram trying to come to terms with not living in the real world. He's a stock clerk. He's talking about the Ramones all the time. 
nobody really gets him. Uh, he starts seeing things for what they really, really are. He starts to realize that he had an amazing past that was horrible, but he was a soldier for, for good, essentially. And he was part of a gang, uh, a squad, and he needs to find them and save them before they're all taken out one after the other, even though they're this. plugged into the system. I it's the this. Matrix. They yeah. Were, they were they were reassimilated and reappropriated and reassigned. Yes, that's the sound of me nodding. And so he basically like a rat chewed through the wires on his TV and he woke up in the middle of the end of a programming day and nothing felt right and he starts vomiting up all of this all of these drugs he didn't even know he was taking and then he reports into work and he's questioning everything. What happened to all the sugary cereal? Why is this all organic? What happened to the what happened to the steak? Why is this canned meat? What kind of meat is it? And it's funny because this was done expertly in like 1984 on a a, TV, a sci-fi TV series that never went anywhere called Another World. Um, and uh, all of the box copy, like there's no advertising, there's no color on any of the products, and there's nothing on the books. And every and they keep saying it. Everything's been cleaned up. Everything's been fixed. Well, he goes to the bar to see his girlfriend, and he starts to see her for what she is. She's a distraction from what he has to do with himself <laughs> in life. And they keep advertising Sterilax on television. Best and uh, Yeah, essentially. <laughs> but he, he goes to the men's room, and he's herking up this stuff. And some plaid-suited creep comes in with a fly's, a, like a housefly's head, and he's like, oh, I knew you in the analog war and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, did he really or is this a fiction? Is this a phantasm? And uh, the guy wants to sell him some laser guns. And Mark puts his hand on it. It's kind of like in Lord of the Rings. He gets his hand on his sword and he's like, I know who I am now. And he takes this ray gun. So when you watch those videos, you see the, the, the Killjoys fighting the Scarecrows with what look like Nintendo uh, light guns. Yeah. yeah. And uh, even later in the story, this kid asks, is like, where did you get a ray gun? Why would you have a toy gun? He's like, oh, it's not a gun that fire. It, it doesn't function any it on. It fires uh, or it emits rays or lasers that don't operate on Celsius or Fahrenheit. It, they, uh, they, and it's, this is what I think you're going to appreciate. Every power that these characters seem to exhibit, even the lasers, the lasers are not powered by a magazine or batteries. They're fueled by Will? these characters' rage. Oh, I dig it. They're hurt. The things that hurt them make them powerful. That's awesome. And that there you go. It, like Then I started looking at it. I was like, yeah, there's an aspect of the Matrix where these people can rewrite everything suddenly. But then there's that aspect of equilibrium where we can just balance society if everybody's on drugs. And, and if everybody, you know, how do you take the rebelliousness out of a character that was a born rebel? And, and so, uh, you know, there's a TV repairman comes and Mark and he's horrifying. He has two pupils in both eyes. It's terrifying to look at, but Mark zaps him with the ray gun because he's like, they want me to feel normal. I'm not normal. I never was. 
normal isn't what any of us are supposed to be. We are supposed to be who we are. So he zaps the guy and he throws him in the trunk of his car and he goes out and he tries to figure out how to rescue all of his friends. What issue uh, what issue is this? Still number one? That that was still number one. That's a forty-eight page epic. Issue number two focuses on a different couple of characters from the gang, the Killjoys. Uh, the his his previous girlfriend, Blue, who starts out the story realizing she's pregnant and having not exactly having she didn't exactly have an abortion. This is the creepy nature of this company in the future. They can take your baby from you and then they can put it in. They can say, like, do you want to keep it in the thing as a souvenir or do you maybe want to have it later? You can just put this box in the freezer. And if you want to have this baby later, you can. And so she before she got killed, she put the baby in the freezer and we we then. But then, of course, there's her cousin who is red. So blue and red are the two lady characters in the Killjoys. We move into Chicago where we are introduced to a kid named Jaime and uh, he's getting picked on by some scumbags at How's school. It call him the, uh, does it start with a J? Yeah, yeah. Totally it's, it's Jaime. Jaime, yeah. It's and the a, fun it's, thing it's, here... It's Jamie. By, it's pretty much Jamie if you're trying to translate it to English. Jaime. There you go, yeah. The fun thing about this second issue is it doubles down on references back to stuff that make you think of the music. And that's the crazy thing. Let's say you don't know that Gerard Way was the lead singer of the of, of My Chemical Romance. You've probably heard some of these songs when you're out. Or maybe you forgot and you hear, them, hear a, a thing and it clicks in your head and it is finished artwork. The reader recognizes something and they're like there's something about that page and you go back and you look at it and you're like you thought you were batman that's a line from the song and then they're talking about their nana and that's the name of the song na 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 you know i mean it's just it's all in there uh you know the professor starts to wake up and then red who has a job working for the company she fought so hard against realizes that or she gets a phone call from mark and is like hey this is all about to go down it's a very morpheus neo moment but with it but instead like think of neo getting the call and being like no no no, i know way more than you do about this i'm gonna come rescue you and like these circumstances get crazy there's a big car chase and then the the cops show up at the school. They're trying to get Jaime. They're trying to get the kid or Jaime, sorry. And uh, they sound they they just don't even they just speak in weird gibberish. But they get there and they have a big shootout. They save they save who they need to save and they race away. Uh, and it is blamed as a school shooting in the press. So it's they it's this different like I can't win type of situation for them. But. Uh, you know, these people get injured and then they start vomiting up the drugs and they start trying to figure out who they are and what this was all about. And they realize it's kind of interesting because for one page, a character is like dead fast against something. And then on a few pages later, they've got rid of more of the drugs and they're like, OK, maybe 
maybe that's crazy, but we should go about it a different way because that's going to get us killed. And then they get rid of more. They're purging more. And they're like, they're really reassessing the circumstances. There's so much molding of the situation to make it really feel like there is a progress happening all of the time. And they're like, every character has an individual appeal and story and personality. Uh, It's just amazing. My favorite part basically is when Jaime is or Jaime is given a ray gun and he doesn't see and he doesn't understand why and he thinks it's bullshit, but Mark explains it to him and he goes back to the moment where these bullies got him and he's able to zap what he thought was roadkill, but it's the dead body that Mark threw in the back of his car and trying to was gonna de- was gonna bury. Then they start getting attacked by one of the gangs that is controlled by the corporation now. And it's just like more and more and more crazy shit keeps happening to these characters. And it's kind of got that Terminator 2 appeal where they're totally on the run. They're surrounded at all times. They, there's where, How far can you possibly escape? Where's the next safe house? If you go there, is it just going to ruin their lives? Are they, is that a trope? I wonder if that's a trope now. I, I think so. Um Yeah. Because, I mean, like, it's one of those things, like, Wolverine always has to deal with that. Like, everyone I love yeah. dies. Everyone that's my friend gets hurt. Um, but is it is it going somewhere where they're actually making I, any I, traction to, to uh, overthrow yes. something? In the fourth issue, they realize why their, their old gang, not their gang buddies, they were competitive gangs, but they were all going for the same thing. They In the fourth issue, they realize why the uh the company knows so much about them and how to track them and where everything is and they basically push an assault they're like we got to break in we got to get the information and of course we've got this character one of my favorite things about that fourth issue <clears throat> is they go get they go to get their friend but they don't know why they can't find him and it's because he is transgendered he's a woman now and he's she's uh she doesn't want to have any part of it. She's like, I'm married and blah, blah, blah. Like, I've got a life. And everybody's got a life. And they're like, why would we want to go back to that? And you have to ask the question, why wouldn't you go back to that? That's the real world. You're living a lie. We have to break down this system. And you think you're living in a normal life. But I guess that's the question. How much of us want the comfort of normalcy when – the rewards for the fight are so much more palpable sometimes. But uh, everything goes. I mean, they, they have to go to the witch to get somebody healed. And then in so healing them, like every, like uh, Jaime realizes everything about his past that he was missing. And it changes. There's so many changes going on constantly that it's it's fresh all the time fresh every issue every two or three pages there's something fresh and it's just like it's 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 not pulling from every little thing you've ever seen but there's something there that makes it feel familiar like and rewarding because you're like high five because of that over and over and over again the artwork is splendid because it's surrealist. It's like sometimes it's only three tones for an entire panel with all that had all this color before. It's uh, it's got this 
it's got just got that postage stamp coloring quality. Uh, it's not a lot of talking heads. It's it's modern. It's just it's there's so much going on here, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's got that that Boondock Saints appeal. Even it's like yeah, you're going through and you're cutting down the bad guys, but they activated the guy is the is the Baba Ganoush or what? What, 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 what did they call? Yeah, the worst guy, the Baba Ganoush. The uh, what the, did they uh, call him? The Baba Duke. Baba Duke. The Baba Duke. Yeah. That's a Romanian. And I'm race. hoping that the Scarecrow they released is Grant Morrison's character from the music video. The music video, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just freaking great, dude. And I, I like, I find myself on the verge of tears throughout this. Emphasize or like, uh, not emphasizing, but um, I, I can't think of the right word, guys. I'm sorry. It's just so much fatigue. Uh, but like. Uh, empathize i'm empathizing with these characters for what they're going through what they've been through and what they're discovering about themselves and i want them to take a second and figure out god how much did we lose being under this horrible oppression for so long you know and then how do we how do we fix it how do we bring this down where do we have to go to shut this thing down so that our lives are say are not just saved but everyone's lives are saved and it, hopefully it doesn't stop on some Neo at the end of the Matrix moment. You know, I'm coming out of the phone and I'm going to get you. You know, just, we're going to do this. But, like, I, I want this to go to an ultimate conclusion to the point where it's like the people who survive this situation are like, yeah, sometimes it's so bad that you literally have to start from the ground up. And uh, I, I just I, – I want – I want so much more of this now. This, this is, I think this is maybe Gerard Way's proudest work. Anyway, I'm happy. I'm happy for it, man, because I I really enjoyed the last Killjoys, but I was yeah. really looking through that through rose tinted glasses because I just love literally anything Becky Cloonan does, and especially, oh, yeah. especially, especially because I I really don't like My Chemical Romance that much, man. Like, uh, like. <laughs> It it wasn't like I had a lot of bad taste in my mouth selling hawking that shit at fucking Hot Topic and all the fucking new age emos coming to buy that shit with their fucking stupid hair trying to be goth and sad at the same time but not knowing how to do anything about it and me not wanting to help them. <laughs> and uh, I think that's the crazy thing is I wonder about goth. I mean, is it sadness? No, I mean it's like no, I'm gonna do my own thing. I've got the, I've got a different. It's just frustrating, you know. You get into those circles with people, and they, it's like, it's are about, they? It's about enjoy- really friends. Oh, they're really friends. Uh, I think at the heart of it, it's enjoying the darkness as much as anyone else can enjoy the light. And yeah. sometimes you just prefer the dark, even if it hurts. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get because yeah, we, let's move on. This we, is awesome. We, I loved it. No, I, I'm glad you did, man. I was kind of worried you you were were not because I knew you're going to be really disappointed when I saw that that came out. I haven't read any of them yet. Um, Tony, give oh, us. Dude, you totally look at that first issue and see if it, if it if it hooks you. Then the rest of it is totally awesome. Well, one of my favorite things is hearing Mr. Tony talk about Nightwing because I've never met anyone yeah. in my life that likes Nightwing as much as this guy. Alrighty, do like Nightwing? Mm. So yeah, the Nightwing's been—it's interesting because freaking—I'll get to the interesting part once I'm done. But we kind of we open up with Nightwing saving a couple 
from a couple of cybers in the in the future state Gotham here. So Nightwing's basically he's um, he's part of the resistance, which is fighting against the magistrates. So apparently, you know, he's over here saving this couple, and then turns out the couple's trying to get him because they're actually uh, augmented humans. Oh, they're kind of cybers, kind of not. But of course, he, you know, he puts them in their place. You know, pretty ba- pretty basic stuff for the most part. He ends up putting, you know. Put, taking down a couple guys, but it turns out um, he's actually operating out of Arkham Asylum now, which I thought was really kind of interesting. That's that's awesome uh, because it's always been like the end place or where it starts and then and then we get back there at the end. But this does is he a- have like some secret little water tower or something or what? What part of it is he is he in? He's just inside the asylum itself. Like the the asylum's bare. Um, we find out that something happened. They call it A Day. Oh, but we haven't what A Day was yet. So I'm assuming some type of big breakout, but we're not we're not quite sure yet. So, but like I said, he's operating with the resistance, and he's actually talking with Batgirl, who's uh, Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. In this in this reality, as it should be. You know, yeah, as it should be. You know, but the uh, the resistance has all kinds of interesting people in it. Uh, Killer Croc's a part of the resistance now. Is he? Is, um, is he the? Is he the smart Killer Croc that? Um, forgive me, I, I don't. I don't remember if you were part of Minefields at the time. Um, but uh, one of the detective stories we did was where Killer Croc, like, basically just was the. It ended with the handshake, where Batman used his name, and mm-hmm. you know, he was locking him up. Uh, it was there was, it was a, an immense sigh of relief and respect. It, it, are, are we getting that Killer Croc? Well, he's not. He's not. He's kind of a. He's a side player. We we don't really hear too much from him. But like characters like Killer Croc are involved in this, and uh, freaking Two Face is a part of it. So there's that. There's a mixture of the heroes and um, the villains working together, because uh, like we like I said before, uh, last week's episode. You know, they're they're just taking out anybody who who has a mask, or anybody who's been portrayed as a superhero or supervillain, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, because I read Detective this week, and uh, Batman was quote unquote dead, but not really. And I yeah, didn't, I didn't know too much about the magistrate, and it was like an escape issue, um, mm-hmm. coming back into his own. Like, is is he established in this like? Like Rebel Alliance type thing going on here. No, what? everybody everybody believes he's dead. Oh, like even to his friends and family, Bruce Wayne is dead. Oh no, no, I don't want to focus on Bruce. I'm talking so about nobody's Nightwing. aware. I'm talking about Nightwing. Oh, um, no, is, Nightwing. Nightwing's involved in the Resistance. Like, is he is he a major player, or is he just is the Resistance just starting? Um, I'm not really. They, they haven't really gone too far into it. All, all, all the issues tend to say um, a few years down the road, basically. Oh, oh, all right. You no, know, because we got because um, because we actually apparently I'm not sure if we actually have two Nightwings or if it's a time difference. Cause, but uh, there's a Nightwing in the Teen Titans, but the Nightwing in the Teen Titans is basically like a um, a Nightwing Deathstroke hybrid. Not like a mentor, because they they ended, they ended the Teen Titans with Nightwing like, hey, welcome to the the new Teen Titans. That was like a month ago. 
They yeah, that I'm like not. That? that I'm not too sure about because I don't normally. You would know better than I because I'm not a real. I haven't read Titans in forever. Gotcha. But but yeah, he, like he um he comes out. He's got a totally different costume the entire time, and then the last picture is him putting on the Deathstroke mask, and it's it's a de- it's Deathstroke's mask, but the eyes are shaped like Nightwing's mask. I dig that. Weird. Okay. And this is this is totally different from this is this is straight. They're both Dick Grayson, but this is this this Dick Grayson is much more. He's tired, like he's he's tired of fighting the magistrates. He's tired of fighting the cybers. Like you, he just he just looks older and more beat up. Did it did it end quickly? Like the like it read fast, but the artwork was just gorgeous. Because the detective I read, I mean, like he's basically I'm, I'm supposed to be dead, but I'm broke now. Uh, facial reconstruction or not? Not like he got stitched up at a at a doctor, and now I'm just trying to hide and get some food, and then okay, I guess I'm back now. And it happened really fast. It was a quick read, but if you were engrossed in the artwork, it was it would have taken you a good 20 minutes like was it yeah. sim- was it a similar tone i mean like did they really Yeah it was definitely it was definitely a quick read cuz like it goes you know he he ends up finishing up with barbara and like he he comes out of the shower and then he he's attacked by by the, the new batman like the, the magistrate batman. batman or actual bruce wayne that is in still in hiding it's the um, it's 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 neither. It's the, uh, the new Batman um, who ends up being uh, oh, the black. Everyone dude. thinks it's gonna be the black dude. Yeah, it's it's Tim Fox, not uh, Luke Fox. Oh, gotcha. okay. Yeah, he he's a screw up brother, which is you know kind of a. I thought that was a really interesting take on it because you kind of find out why he's such a screw up. I dig that man. That's awesome. Like because everything I've read of Future State has been fucking great. Titans was great. All of it. Like. Yeah, it's 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 super interesting. Like I said, it's a lot of it's coming down to I'm not sure if there's a, like I said a time difference between some of the books. Cause I definitely kind of feel like like I said they're both Dick Grayson, or if it's like just different realities. But I kind of I'm kind of leaning towards the time difference. Either that or they just don't care. I was a little <laughs> worried about it just in general because like of how many resets the DC universe has gone through since 2010. And yeah. I mean, like the fourth or fifth one, right? And but it it it, it definitely legitimizes uh, metal and dark metal instead of just mm-hmm. being like because it's it's difficult for people to understand that because most people uh, you got I got to be honest that so most people are Marvel people so if yeah. it's not canon then they don't give a shit but at the same time DC Universe's multiverse is fucking canon. And yeah. and I, I really hope that this hammers hammers it into everyone's head. Like, okay, we're we're not just hitting the reset button. We're focusing on this for a little bit. We'll get back to the to the regular eventually. But have some fun. Challenge yourself. We're giving yeah. you good art. We're not giving like, man. I can't think of a DC comic that I have not liked, even if it wasn't my favorite. Like I was like, well, like. Like I've read a lot of Marvel, and I'm like, well, that fucking was stupid. Or I got halfway through it, and I'm like, no, I don't think so. But every DC comic, I'll end with like, you know, that wasn't my favorite, but that was still good. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd still give it a, a, a C plus at the very, very least. Uh, the, the quality is 100 percent there. And I'm so goddamn scared they're gonna end the comics, man. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, hopefully they won't. Yeah. You know, but yeah, um, Batman's uh, Batman. The reason Batman's here 
is because he's trying to he wants to join the resistance to get their help because a girl was kidnapped by the magistrates because Batman had saved her. Oh. And so she got, she got kidnapped. She she was kidnapped held for ransom. Batman saved her. And then when he saved her, like later on uh, down the road, she was kidnapped again, but this time by the magistrates. And they they were holding her for questioning to find out who Batman is, who this new Batman is, because in, you know to them they've killed Batman, they killed Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne's dead and buried. Yeah, the, the, the ultimate death, up. no hope. Yeah. We killed Batman, fuck all y'all. Yeah, Bruce Wayne exposed, <laughs> like oh, yeah. No. Yeah, he, he exposed. He he basically got shot almost to death, and did the uh, the Joker thing where he goes to some backdoor fucking surgeon. They actually refer to him as a butcher, and yeah. gets mm-hmm. pieced together. And I mean, it, it's called. I'm just gonna mention it real quick. It was called Future State Dark Detective Number One, and it was really short. But I think it was because it was more focusing on the Grifter story at the end. Did you read that too, Tony? Yeah. Yeah, I've read, I read cover to cover on that one. Yeah, that one, I was really, really happy with it. The two different types of art forms, two different stories, and I, I'm, I'm not upset that, I don't feel like they're shoving Grifter down my throat like I did when, uh, with the new 52. Because remember, they really pushed for that. I mean, because uh, everything from yeah. Wildcats. They were building a whole like section of the DC universe around yeah. like Grifter Lamanites and and then they just said, "Yeah, like, no, it's it not selling." Thing, too, but it didn't take to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the whole reason uh, Batman's trying to join the resistance and utilize Robin to, or Nightwing to do it, but then it turns out that the uh, the magistrates have found where Nightwing's hiding, and it turns out that um, earlier in the epi- in the issue he was shot pretty much in the same pretty close to the same area where Bruce was uh, Bruce Wayne was shot. But they put nanotech in the bullet, which um, they were able to use as a homing beacon. So the interesting part is, is that you know they they both you know Nightwing knew about it, and Batman's like you know you knew you you know you knew I would find you you knew they would find you right. why, and Nightwing's basically like you know here at least you know I'm I'm sick I'm I'm tired I'm done you know at least if if they come here I have home field advantage. And that's basically where the issue ends. I dig it. Man, like, they've been on a streak, man. And that's what worries me, because, you know, the, the, the rumor that it's going to end in the summer and they're only going to put out, like, X amount of comics a year. But I can't think of anything that they ha- I haven't enjoyed. I mean, the last streak they had was that before this, that I was really goddamn 100% into everything. Uh, Blackest Night, Brightest Day. Um, mm-hmm. even like the little, like shoot off comics, like when Gil Simone took over and I, I'm, I always talk about it when Gil Simone took over, uh, birds of prey. And then I watched that awful TV show. It was such an abomination. <laughs> it was such an I abomination. I still need to watch it. I've always been to pick up the DVD at Walmart for like a dollar. Yeah. It's like I a dollar. It. I got Watchmen, uh, the, the HBO series, uh, the other day for eight bucks on fucking, uh, Amazon. Like Blu-ray, worth every goddamn penny. Because my mom was asking me about it because she had questions about Watchmen, and of course I'll answer anything she wants. But then I was like, man, haven't had a healthy dose of Regina King in a while. (laughs) Just look at that. I gotta see her new movie that she directed because I, dude, I just I I don't. There's there's 
I, I get on the jazz about certain people, and mm-hmm. uh, Regina King's one of them, man. Like, you, you, did someone say Regina King? Like, <laughs> like or Clooney. <laughs> yeah, that, that sort of thing. Or Belanger, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, all right, so you've got... So we just went through a healthy dose of some DC. Uh, I'll finish it up with some Sweet Tooth. Uh, I'll be short and sweet with this one, because Sweet Tooth... Is it took me a little bit to get back into this because I loved the original uh, uh, Lemire's run on on Sweet Tooth from back in like 2010 to, uh, 2013, and it I, I started reading this and it's it's Future State. It's another one of those man. We've really been like there's a lot of dystopian shit going on right here, man. I remember yep. like when like Trump got elected, I was like, man, I hope things get really bad so they can get like we can get some really fucking gritty art. And I got what we wished for, and uh, and I mean, like, I mean, we're back to just taxi driver, but with cyberpunks now, and 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 I, I'm, it's a just a disjointed feeling, like where I was like, wait a minute, like what happened? Like, like the, this character wakes up and he's he's in a lower level underground, and there's people in a higher level, and he doesn't, he's not allowed to interact with anyone. He's having these flashbacks from somebody that. They're worshiping. They're basically worshiping this kid. And after the first two episodes, I was like, "Man, issues. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep up with this." But of course, it's Lemire, so I'm I, I'm going to persevere. And this one really paid off because him not knowing his past, and, and I don't I don't know if it's just me, but uh, when they start bringing in the little nuggets to remind you of what happened in the original series, these tiny little like tiny little nuggets. Unless you read it, you're not going to pick up on it. Yeah. But if if you haven't read it, you're just gonna you're just gonna file it under okay. So he just had a flashback of a memory that didn't belong to him, and he might be a clone. He is a clone, and they they find the big room of like the alien resurrection. You know, kill me. <laughs> you know, all the other clones yeah, that didn't yeah. work out. Yep. And uh, but that that distorted feeling and having those little nuggets just flash all of a sudden in my head. I remember. Oh, that's what happened. Oh, that's oh Shepard. Oh, absolutely. And then introducing new characters on uh, on a basic way, like Sweet Tooth is captured, well, the, the clone of Sweet Tooth is captured, and the human girl that found him when he made this escape attempt, they, they're like, fuck you, you know about him, you've seen him, we're, we're going to imprison you. And the, the leader is obviously this militaristic fucking religious fucking asshole. And they imprison the kid, and this giant human elephant rescues them and not only does he rescue him but he obliterates all of the guards like the, the guards pop in is one of those oh fuck moments that you just love uh, like you know hey you kids get back in there and, and then all of a sudden they hear a noise and turn around and like oh fuck he's out yeah. <laughs> and then and then like like he barely had time to finish his sentence before his head was completely like obliterated knocked off at the same time and uh they're like hey man like thank you and <laughs> and he can't talk and those little man we really i'm not gonna write that down we really focus on some tropes today is uh tropes was the issue yeah the the idea you know he's not a dummy but he can't talk but that's also one of those things i mean he's not a george from fucking uh uh what's that <sighs> God, I, why am i so spacey today man it's one of those days uh, of mice and men, he's not a weirdo. He go to you know, like oh yeah, mice oh, yeah. and bunnies. No, no, this one he's he's got some brains behind him. He can't talk, but he's also the fucking intimidator man. Like he's like, you're not gonna get past this guy now. So they're 
they're building this nice little story where yeah, he's got to get out and there's something about getting up to the surface because in the original Sweet Tooth series, uh, human hybrid, human animal hybrids were being born and it was wiping out the human race and, uh, you know, there was massacres, genocide, I mean, you name it. And this kid was uh, tagged as like the Messiah. And I'm not going to ruin it because it's one of those things that if you listeners let, if I ruin this, it's not like ruining one issue of like a DC comic. You're going to accidentally see or hear about it if you're in, in, on the level and following everything that's going on. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it, like, ruining the ending of that is going to take a lot from you. And so I'm not going to do that. But it, it's definitely going to be an ominous tone that if you read the new Sweet Tooth and then read the old one, I think it might be even more enjoyable be, because both of the stories are written so well and it's in that weird loop. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you did you like I watched Aliens first before I was allowed to watch Alien because uh, just of my age because uh, my parents were about the all about the age restriction and it made Alien I think even better because I was so just in love with Ripley and you know we already got the big payoff with you know getting to see all these crazy ass aliens it wasn't like Alien Three where there was like hybrid aliens. But just the one and really emphasizing the horror aspect and getting to enjoy the the archaic technology they had to film and, and using the screens. Because you, you watch Alien and you see, you see them like touch screens that are like concave and like, you know, everything's flat now. But that was before we had anything flat. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of the, the memories coming back. And uh, I, I see these things online where people are like, I only played this game. Not because I want to play it again, but because I want to remember what I felt like when I played this game. Like, and I know exactly what, yeah. what, what they're talking yeah. about. Like, I remember when I was playing Vice City for like months on end. It wasn't really about playing the game. I was just in a really good headspace, and um, it's just like that. And that's what I got on that subject. Right on, man. Yeah. We got some sweet tooth. I think we. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and add detective. Dark Detective to that one because I talked enough about it. Yep. <laughs> nice. Uh, deceased, man. Let's wind up this. Alrighty. Uh, let's wind up some DC. Yeah, I mean, we just finished up Dark Metal and now they're shooting out Deceased Dead Planet 7 of 7. So. You've been uh, aching for this, man. You've been aching Dude. for this for months, man. Did, like, before you go into the story, uh, were you satisfied? Were you entertained? Did it end the way you wanted? Yes and no. Well, we'll get to that part because it was it didn't it it ended happier than I thought it would. But like there are definitely some loose freaking strings straggling along, but it definitely sets up for more and bigger. So what we got here is we got um <clears throat> We start out with with a there's a, a a base in Australia, with all the all the rich villains. You got your Malcolm Merlin, you got Penguin, you got Doctor Ivo, and they've all been they've all been held up in this uh, in this compound since the virus hit. Gotcha. And you know they're they're just like well screw it you know we've got everything we need they've got a whole everything's handled for them there. And so they, they made a uh, bunch of Amazo robots to uh, basically obliterate all the undead. 
they're just going to kill everybody or re-kill everybody. Right. While at the same time, the heroes um, using Cyborg were able to figure out a cure. So that it's basically a race against time. Are they, you know, oh, they they got to stop the Amazos. They've got to implement the cure with everybody else. And while at the same time, Trigon has come up from hell because since everybody is undead, there are no souls going down to hell. <laughs> oh, wild. Yeah. I dig it. So at the end of the last issue, uh, John Constantine had basically gotten all the major yes. magical items. I fucking love it. You know, he, he's, uh, he's got the Spear of Destiny that uh, killed Jesus, or that he's pierced Jesus' skin. Spear of Destiny. He's got, he got Dr. Fate's helmet. Hell he's yeah. got Ragman's cloak. He's got Madame Xanadu's crystal ball so he can see the future. Um, and he's got the, uh, he's got the power of Dead Man. And he had just gotten the power of Shazam. He's got the oh, power of Shazam. Okay, cool. Yeah. So now he's so, chosen. So Constantine is basically just this, you know, a god. Just totally, just a straight up bamf right now. He's got all the magical powers he can get, and he's, he's him, Zatanna, and the Phantom Stranger are going to fight Trigon. While at the same time, a lot of a number of superheroes are over here trying to fight the Amazos. You know, and they're they're battling them. While uh, Superman and Batman, who are Jonathan Kent and Damian Wayne, fuck yeah, are going going to the base in Australia. In Australia, so they're base they're they're over here fighting. You know, then there's one lone Amazo who you know jumps Batman from behind, and then Superman just obliterates him because while he you know, nobody messes with Superman's best friend, Batman. <laughs> I love that, especially because <laughs> the Superman Batman series is just nothing but them fucking bickering. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, you know they, they they've grown up. They're they're grown ass men now. Um, so they end up keeping the the head of the Amazo they destroy, which is integral to later on in the story. And they go into the um into the compound, and they're you know meeting with Penguin and Ivo. And, you know, they've got a whole bunch of soldiers there because the soldiers, um, they keep the soldiers' families alive. So the soldiers do what they say, basically. So as they're over here, as they're over here about to tell the soldiers to just murder Batman and Superman, all of a sudden, everybody who's evil in the building dies. Just like that. Yeah, just like that. They all just keel over and die. And we're not talking undead. We're talking dead, dead. So Batman and Superman go outside, and they see Constantine. And he's over here. He literally sucked all the life out of all the um, all the evil people in the room in the building. Dude, to dude, to fuel Ragman's cloak. You're making me so fucking happy right now. This is I have never in my life, and I have hundreds of Constantine comic books. Had a, a Johnny story, and I call him Johnny like like I'm like I'm his best friend. Where he is like redeemed. Yeah. I am here to fuck everything that is bad. And like, there's I, I, you're nothing you're saying is like reading. <laughs> nothing you're told me about like in order to get uh, the the helmet, I had to re kill my my already dead brother <laughs> or or do yeah. something really fucking bad. Like, oh, this is awesome. I'm sorry, yeah, it's, man, it's I, pretty I it's you. pretty awesome. No, it's 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 a great story. 
And like you know, and he's basically getting ready for Trigon because Zatanna and uh, Phantom Stranger had already gone to fight Trigon, and he, you know, John abandoned them. He never showed up. But we find this is where we find out why. And at the end, of, you know, and, and Superman and him are talking, and he's like, you know, Superman's like, of course, can I help you? What can I do? And he's like, you can't do this. You know, if you go and fight Trigon, I've seen the future. You you will die. You know, he's like, and we we he's like, I need you to save everybody else while I do this. And you know, John freaking John Kent, Superman is just like, you know, you're a good man, John Constantine. And Constantine just looks at him. He's like, I'm really not, but I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's really nice to hear Superman say that. I bet, man, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of a piece of shit. This is like literally the only time I've ever done good <laughs> without fucking like everyone over or, or somebody in the least bit like yeah i'll take mm-hmm. it i'll take it hell yeah yeah so superman and freaking so the, the the heroes that are fighting the amazos are getting beaten down more and more like they're they're doing what they can but you know they're just being overwhelmed by all these amazos so they take that they take the head of the amazo they destroyed and they give it to cyborg Smart. and cyborg's Cyborg's able to freaking route them because they're all all their freaking mainframes are connected, and he basically shuts them off, shuts down all the Amazos. So they've at least solved that problem. And while they're doing that, uh, Kid Flash, uh, Wallace West, Kid Flash, and Superman are running around giving out the cure to everybody they can, going as you know fast as they can. You know they're splitting it up by continents. You know Flash, the Kid Flash took freaking. Uh, North America and South America, while Superman handled Europe and Africa. That's fucking and, awesome. And they're gonna rendezvous in Asia, which is where um, Trigon is. Please tell me they use the word rendezvous because I love anything that has the word rendezvous. <laughs> they totally use rendezvous. <laughs> so they they Constantine finally shows up to freaking see Phantom Stranger just getting stepped on by a gigantic Trigon. And he's like, you know, while while I enjoy this, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to intervene. So freaking Trigon, or freaking, you know, Trigon's talking all this mess, blah blah blah, and he's just like, shut up, and he just gives him one punch, a punch that he does using you know power of Shazam, using all the Ragman's abilities, and the helmet of Doctor Fate, and just knocks him square on his ass. Beautiful, one punch, you know, and then but of course you know. One punch isn't going to handle Trigon, so he freaking gets up and he starts spewing fire at him. And you know he uh, freaking John's using the power of um, Madame Xanadu's crystal ball to see where it's, this going, so he can avoid it. You know, no matter what, and they're just going back and forth. And then eventually, Trigon kills John. But that was the plan, wasn't it? You can kill. You have to kill the flow. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. He ends up the ground. You got me in the jazz. I apologize. No, you're good. You're good. But yeah, there. You know, he, he ends up taking you know, killing John, and then Superman shows up, and super, you know, Superman. He knows he's gonna die, but he he's freaking Superman, so he's gonna do what he can. And then we see that freaking we find out you know, we see that John John's ghost is there. And even though John's dead, he's still got all these powers imbued in him. Because of the dead man because powers? Because so recently dead. 
He's got the dead man powers. Hell yeah. So he ends up taking freaking, he ends up taking, uh, going into Trigon and possessing him. And he ends up grabbing, and Zatanna ends up grabbing the Spear of Destiny, handing it to Trigon, which with John inside of him, and John stabs himself through the heart, killing both him, both him and Trigon. And the whole time, John, you know, Zatanna's like, oh, you know, you know, you know, it sucks that he's gone, blah blah blah. And John's just like, you know, just disappearing is a hell of a lot better than being going to hell. And not, yeah. at the end of it, at the end of it, he just looks right out and says, like, "Bye, see," and he's gone. <laughs> That's awesome, dude! Like I, I've never been so excited for it. The last time I got a, on the jazz about a Constantine story was early this year when with the uh, uh, Hector Specs guy when they restarted oh, okay. it, and mm-hmm. then they then the, of course the the story quickly you know got bad again <laughs> well not bad just yeah. not, not not as good but then we got the mm-hmm. the black label one coming up both you and i can't wait to come for that son of a bitch Hell yeah. should have been out by now um mm-hmm. but before that it was like just reading old school fucking johnny shit man just because i wanted to remember it yeah no it's classics dude but yeah it ends up ending with a it's just people reuniting with people um mira re- reunites with tempest um, John actually, his uh, John's grandfather was barricaded in the in the uh, basement of their barn and left there because he was infected as well. And like John is just like his grandpa's just like John, you've grown, and all he can say is hi, grandpa. <laughs> and like the final thing ends up being because uh, Green Le- or Green Arrow was turned, and it, the the final image is just him reuniting with. Black Canary, who's now a uh, Green Canary because she's a Green Lantern. Hell yeah. Whoa, yeah. So, we end up, that's where the issue ends. Oh, I mean, I now, hope they... The thing is, the thing the thing you gotta remember, because freaking they don't, you see it one time in the show, in the movie, or in the you know, movie, show, whatever, the comics, but they haven't brought it back since like issue three or four. Dark Side is still a freaking zombie. <laughs> And the last thing oh, you see of him baby. is him going to New Genesis and destroying New Genesis. And that was the last time we saw anything to do with Darkseid. So I think freaking the next one's either going to focus on either Darkseid or the New Gods as zombies. Um, please God, all of the above. <laughs> like, uh... Well, it gets even worse for our superheroes. Because they saved everybody on Earth. Nobody has touched Superman. Superman is still a zombie. And he has... Well, he flew into the sun. To kind of try to stop him. To get himself as far away from anybody as he could. But that's going to charge the shit out of him. <laughs> he's been siphoning the power for the entire five years. Between deceased unkillables and deceased dead planets. This is wonderful, man. Five years of a supercharged zombie Superman. You know what this means, man. This means that you and I are going to have to... Well, and, uh, Colin, please, read some DC. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to reread all the new gods, because it's on the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, I love when stories like this happen, when it's like, well, shit, man, when this next shit comes out, we're going to have... Like, we're, we're going to... 
we're gonna have to read the new gods like like when COVID happened when we had to figure out a way to recharge minefields because new comics weren't coming out and we you know yeah. we we started oh yeah we deep. read Ryan's. Dude, yeah, we started reading legendary runs. Legendary runs, man. Like, uh, God, the, like we we read hundreds of comic books this weekend, this this summer or last summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't even usually usually read that many comics in general, but these legendary runs just get you on the jazz so hard, and like fucking, we devoured fucking, uh, Planet Hulk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Sakar, like even that little bald-headed bitch that was on his way to Earth as well, man. We we even went into that. Like Craven's Last Hunt, man. I think I read that twice before I I felt I was ready to even remotely talk about it on an educated level. Um, Oh yeah, that's freaking one of the best Spider-Man runs ever. Freaking Craven's Last Hunt was amazing. Fucking Mike, what's his name? What's his last name? Zinc? No. The guy that was the artist. Uh, I can't remember. Ah, uh, it's got a Z. I'm stupid. I'm gonna look it up so I don't piss off our mm. listeners. <laughs> give us uh, last, last but not least, give us your little tiny tidbit on X Force, man. Oh, X X Force has been it was interesting, man. Freaking. So it starts out there's a bunch of uh, infected corpses washing up on Krakoa. And, like, because last issue there was ones where um, if you killed the guy, it was like the, the 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 Russian dolls. If you killed the guy, a smaller version of the guy would come pop out of his body and just continuously keep doing that. All right. So, yeah, it was, it was weird but interesting. But, uh, like I said, all these infected, bo- infected dead bodies are washing up. So X-Force ends up sending um, – they end up sending Forge, Wolverine, and Kid Omega – into the ocean to investigate. I love that Forge. So they end up finding a sunken ship and freaking um, they go into it and Wolverine goes, Wolverine actually sinks fastest because of his adamantium skeleton, which I thought was a great freaking great thing to think about. Right. I always thought he weighed about 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. I always thought he weighed like probably like maybe six or seven, man. Like the way they describe adamantium. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, he he gets down there first, and he sees this dead corpse, and he turns around, and he just sees this gigantic eye of a leviathan looking at him. Um, and as soon as everyone gets down there, all of a sudden, all the dead bodies, you know, they rise up and they attack. And then you know, between the dead, you know, the dead bodies are attacking, and you know, a bunch of sea creatures are getting in on it, like dead killer, dead uh, dead hammerhead sharks, and the ilk. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're fighting, you know, again, they're getting overrun just due to the sheer number of, of things coming at them. But uh, who should show up then our one of our favorites, you know, sea dwelling characters, but Namor himself. Oh, finally. God, yes. Finally. Yeah. Fucking yeah. finally. As soon as, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, Colin's going to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, I've been liking that new, even the, the first and second issue. Of this current Namor have been super, super awesome. So it's one of my favorite. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things as we wind down here on the minefields is enjoying what y- y'all's favorite people are, man. Like I, I pop when I see like you're going to talk about Nightwing, man, and or when we yeah. get to talk about fucking Namor. Like 
the the little things, man. And, and like, man, you knew I was gonna fucking like be a fucking chatterbox when you started talking about Johnny like that, man. You should have been prepared for mm-hmm. that. <laughs> oh, totally. And uh, it, it's it's one of the best parts about why we do this. And like, I, I was interested in starting it on such a low point with talking about Ramirez. In, in getting to a point where I'm actually having a fucking smile today, man. I'm fucking Shawn Michaels today. I found my smile. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say I found my smile. I, he lost a smile. No, I, I, I found my lost smile. You gotta find it smile. sooner or later. I know, man. With all those fucking bitches that are fucking throwing themselves at him, you'd have figured that you'd... <laughs> anyway. Dude, yeah, me, me and my wife have been watching the old school Raws from like 95, and it's it's no joke, dude. Freaking those... Dude. Those women are losing their damn minds. This grown ass man stripping for this bunch of freaking men and a few women. Dude, you gotta <laughs> you gotta rewatch the day the channel. Everyone changed the channel, man. Uh, Ninety nine when mankind went over on a fucking. Oh, we, we, I do it. I've watched that that show freaking January fourth, nineteen ninety nine. It was ninety nine, and it was it was, yeah. it was probably my favorite RAW of all time, especially because mm-hmm. there were so many little things that just. And Colin and I are sleepy. I'll wind this up, but like uh, the the Val Venus and fucking Ken Shamrock match, and Val Venus will like he's hitting on some chick in the front, does not know it's Ken Shamrock's fucking sister. And he's still mm-hmm. hitting on her the whole fucking time. Shamrock is beating him into the fucking dirt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's still hitting on this chick. And then, of course, Mankind comes out. But, like, the the best part about it was the, the brother aspect, especially coming from, like, old territory days, was how mm-hmm. many people put Mankind over that night. Uh, oh, yeah. Even the fact that The Rock agreed backstage to the storyline that, yeah, I'm going to drop the belt on a fucking Monday night. Um, uh, also, the the way DX, you know, because remember, uh, Mankind was like their like, adopted brother. But, like, sorry, we're going to... Yeah, he was, like, he was like the, the little brother, yeah. Yeah, and, and then we get little bits like what I was mentioning about Ken Shamrock. We got to see Ken Shamrock wrestle. I mean, and the, the sleaze mm-hmm. of Val Venus, and then... And then fucking stone cold coming out of nowhere like like you couldn't have a raw at that time without stone cold he wasn't there at all and then the fucking glass breaks everyone's like what the fuck is happening we don't care he comes over chair shot chair shot drags his ass over (laughs) and walks the fuck out doesn't even stay for a fucking thank you and then it's just like the the you know uh mcfoley's uh foley's uh what's what's the phrase mama's baby boy (laughs) Yeah, Mama's baby boy. It's Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Yeah, because he does that. He freaking he. Uh, you know, he's like. I think if I remember correctly, it's you know, at the risk of not sounding cool, Big Daddy O did it, and then he freaking yeah runs around the ring with the belt. Yeah, and, and man, he he fucking deserved it, man. And everyone was like, man, could you? I mean, like if 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 I had a time machine where we could be flies on the wall, can you imagine being at Gorilla? When they, when everything fucking wound wound down and they're coming back in, can you? I bet you that whole fucking locker room was there just waiting for him, man. Probably. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, freaking never, you know, the guy that he he was the guy that wasn't supposed to make it, which is why he's so freaking beloved. Yeah. You know, he he wasn't aesthetically pleasing, as they say. He wasn't a movie star, good looks or an amazing body. He was he was the guy that like you could imagine freaking watching raw with yeah exactly which is what his freaking appeal was exactly and he was smart enough to run with it well don't forget we've got an official minefields uh WWE account so 
If you don't want to pay for it no more, you can just use ours. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Unless you don't want to fuck up your algorithm. I don't know if they have one of those things, man. I just know that they fuck with things every now and then because it's the search. The search function is dog shit, man. Like you gotta. Anyway, yeah, we're it, it's getting late. Colin's gotta get up at fucking five a.m. Uh, Colin, send us out, man. Oh man, yeah, you guys know that this is dangerous. That's all you have to know. This is dangerous. <laughs> this transmission is over. It's over. Over.